Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. All righty. Are you ready to jump into this morning? Awesome, awesome, awesome. You know, just to kind of help you, I just wanted to help cast some vision and give us some direction as to where God's taken us, just to kind of help you understand where we are in this season, just to kind of get you uh, excited about where we're going and what God's endeavoring to do. Uh, If you recall, we were uh, in an older building or a building just a matter of a few months ago. It was a very small building. Uh, It was very difficult to try to grow a church because of the size of it and uh, just couldn't go anywhere because it was landlocked. But as a result of in October, God spoke to us and he said, the tide is turning in your favor. And there's a new place and a new season that I'm taking you to. And we didn't necessarily know what that meant, but obviously when God speaks to your heart, you just basically say, okay, God, I'm going to hide and watch. And just in a matter of a few weeks after God said that to us, this building was handed over to us in the sense of God just started working on our behalf. We didn't get into here. The first service was obviously Easter of this year. But God just began to orchestrate things. And so therefore, as a result, we're like, God, you're moving in Genesee Valley Church. And then in January, God spoke this to our hearts. He said there was things that were hard or seemed to be hard in the past, but things are turning. I'm thinking, wow, praise the Lord. Well, you know, any time that the Lord says those things to you, it's, it, it's time to, to hold on. Because that doesn't always mean that things are smooth sailing. In fact, when God spoke that to us, he said, now rejoice. You may have heard us talk about that before. Well, what does it mean to rejoice? It means you got to get happy. How many of you ever experienced life where it's like, now's not a good time to be happy? It's not funny. It's not a laughing matter. But God says it's time to get happy. It's time to rejoice. That means in the midst of obstacles, in the midst of victories, rejoice. Rejoice in the good times. Rejoice in the tough times. And that are those are the things that put you through and get you to the other side. Amen? And so we just knowing with that, that God is purposing to move and do some things. We're not moved by what we see. We're moved by faith. But obviously, it kind of goes right along with just what we've seen in our nation just as of late. Because there's been some weather patterns that have really beat up our nation, haven't they? And with the forecast, you know what's coming. And you know what's coming is not going to be good. And you know what is coming is something that I can prepare for, but only prepare to a certain extent. And on the other side of that, what happens? The storms create a tremendous power. There are people that were displaced out of their homes. Homes were were destroyed. Just devastation as a result of these storms that came through, right? And lives are just now starting to be put back together, but it's going to be a long journey. How many of you know that God hurts for those that are hurting? Amen? 
Well, one of the things that I found interesting in all the stories concerning the hurricanes and the weather patterns that were taking place, something very interesting happened in the water. If you saw any kind of uh, news stories, like maybe down there in, in Tampa, you recall that as they went out to the beaches and to the shorelines where the water was, the water was all sucked away. Did anybody see those stories? The water, the winds blew so much, the storm blew so hard that it pulled water away from land. And it says that they could see land as far as the eye could see. I mean, you talk about a tide turning. And then it says that the weather stations were getting bombarded with phone calls saying there is no water on the shoreline. When the water comes back, is it going to be a tsunami? And they said, no, that's not what's going to happen. But here's the thing. For GVC and the greater Flint area, the tide is turning. And it said, the Spirit of God said, the tide is turning for our favor. Now, how many of you have ever said, you know what? Uh, I'm believing for a good report, but right now it just don't look like a good report. We've all been there. So you just got to step out in faith and choose to believe what God said. The tide is turning in our favor. Well, when they called the weather station and said, is this going to come rushing back into the shoreline and is it going to flood everything? Is it going to be a tsunami? They said, no, it's just going to come back. You'll have some uh, uh, surges, but it's not going to be a tsunami. They had to just take it at their word that everything's going to be okay. Amen? It's interesting, the power of storms. It's interesting just in regards to in those just how much water can bring damage. But how many of you know that water also brings life? In the Bible, the the Bible speaks of waters. The Bible speaks of seas. And oftentimes when God's speaking of waters and speaking of seas, oftentimes it's symbolic of people. Speaking of mass groups of people. Also in the Bible, it also makes reference concerning water as to the Spirit of God. Who is the Spirit of God? He is the Holy Spirit, which brings about life into our own lives, introduces us to having a relationship with God. Now, with that being said, or with that mindset of just life being sustained by water, that it brings life, that the Bible says That water is symbolic of people, that it's also symbolic of the move of God. I want to bring your attention to a story, one that you're probably familiar with, but it's the story of Egypt. Back in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that Egypt was one of the most prosperous nations in the world. But do you know why they were so prosperous? Because they built their kingdom upon the backs of God's people. Do you remember that God's people were enslaved for 400 years? But as a result, all this prosperity, all this blessing that Egypt experienced, 
they refused to recognize that it was really because of the work of God's people and really it was because of the blessing that was upon those people that caused Egypt to be so prosperous. And as a result, they rejected or Egypt rejected God. And God came to a point in time and says, it's time for us to leave Egypt. It took some plagues to get the attention of Pharaoh. Do you remember what one of the plagues were? He turned the water into blood. Remember that? Well, now that just seems, you know, insignificant to us because we think, well, so what? You know, we got water in the faucet. We got water in the refrigerator on ice. But back then, they didn't have that kind of privilege. But nevertheless, the Bible says that the water, and so that doesn't necessarily mean the water in the Nile or water. So if you had a bottle of water, I'm assuming it turned into blood or that it went bad. Well, how many of you know you can't live life for very long without having water? So in this moment, you know that they had to become very desperate for life. Maybe some of them were clinging on to life because of the lack of water. He was trying to get their attention to turn their heart towards God to say, God, you are the reason for our prosperity. You are the reason for the blessing in our life. But eventually we see that Pharaoh, that God's people go. And when God left or when God's people left, God left with them. Now think about that. Over 3 million slaves built Egypt. What do you think happened to the economy of Egypt when 3 million slaves that built their kingdom left? Probably devastated it, didn't it? Not only that, the Bible says that Egypt gave God's people all the wealth of Egypt. So in other words, it bankrupted them. Think of what Egypt looked like at the time that God and God's people left. Well, what about our community? What about our city? What about our lives? We said this, that the life source of any thriving community is water. It's its life source. We said that water represents people, but it also represents the Spirit of God. Do you realize you cannot even breathe breath without God's favor? Without God giving the permission and without the Spirit of God allowing you to breathe, have breath in your lungs, you would drop over dead right now. Amen? That's a sobering thought, isn't it? But that just shows you the goodness and the grace of God. And did you know that you're so fearfully and wonderfully made that God made you in such a way that your body has the ability to sustain life? Because they say that actually with all the junk that's in the air and all the disease and bacteria, that literally we should not be able to live. There's so much out there that it would just kill humanity. But God made us with an immune system that we can sustain and we can live life. Isn't God awesome? But think about Flint. I want to draw some parallels, if you will, to Egypt. Flint had a population that peaked 
at 200,000 people in the 1960s. It was the second largest city in Michigan. When it comes to Flint, in 1978, Flint, or in Flint, General Motors employed 80,000 people. Think about that. Flint had 200,000 in population. General Motors employed almost half of the population. Think about the wealth. Think about the prosperity. Think about the security that this community held back in the 60s and back in the 70s. Flint was the promised land. I said Flint was the promised land. If it wasn't for God and His mercy and what He has provided for this community, we would have never seen the prosperity that once was here. God was moving in this place. Let me just give you a little little tidbit of information. Maybe one day we'll talk about this. There was a gentleman, I think his name was, was, was Henry. I'm not, I can't remember for sure. But he heard his pastor talk about the power of the tithe. You know what the tithe is. 10% of income you give back to God. He wanted to prove that out. It became so famous that Henry Ford backed his project. Henry Ford was very strategic at making Flint what it is and the automotive industry. So I'm telling you that simply that God had a hand in making this community great. God had a hand at making this community prosperous. But just like Egypt that refused to recognize that it was God's hand, God's blessing that brought about the prosperity but began to be high and mighty and lifted up to say, look at us. Look at what we have. Look at what we've built. And little by little, we rejected God. And little by little, we've seen less of God within our lives, within our community. I said to you that in 1978, General Motors employed 80,000 people. Today, Less than 8,000. Think about that. 72,000 jobs gone. How do you think that would have devastated our economy? Just like with Egypt, when the wealth, when the help, when the workers left, think of what Egypt looked like. It looked like Flint, maybe. At the end of 2015, Nearly 50, uh, 51% of Flint's population were below the poverty level. The median income of Genesee County is $44,000 a year, but for Flint, the average income is 23000 Why do I share that with you? Not to share a boo-hoo story. Not to say, oh, wow, it's really bad here. But if we recognize that there's an issue, then obviously we can turn it around. 
And I'm just of the tenacity that if anybody's going to make a difference, why not us? If anybody's going to make a difference, why not the people of God? People always say, well, it's gone, it's done. Who says that General Motors has to be the one that funds this community? But if we'll purpose to pray and seek God's face, we could see multiple industries come into this community and restore it if we would turn our face back to God. And it doesn't take a mass group of people to make it happen. It just takes a few. It doesn't take a great group of educated people, rich people. It just takes people that are willing to say, God, here am I, use me. Everywhere through the Bible, we see that God used one person to change a nation. David, Noah, Joshua. The list could go on. He even came to the place where he used simply one man to change the whole entire world and change eternity. So if we think that we got to have such great numbers of smart people and rich people, it just takes somebody to step forward and say, God, I want to see change. I want to see different. I live here, and if I live here, it's got to change because I'm here. We've got this mentality of, well, let's just get out of here. Let's just escape. I don't want my kids to grow up here. Listen, Flint was one of the greatest cities in the nation. It can still be that way. Why? Because we serve an awesome God. It's not about the economy. It's not about the jobs. It's not about the landscape. It is about the God in which we serve. And once a people's heart turns back towards the God, everything begins to line up. Can you say amen? And I've been telling you about water. Isn't it interesting that our latest claim to fame is that the Flint water is bad? Isn't that interesting? The very life source of any community is in the water. There's been a drought in this region. There's been a drought financially. There's been a drought numerically. There's been a drought just in our own water system. And there's been a drought spiritually. But a drought doesn't have to stay a drought. And you might say, well, what can we do about a drought? We have a part to play. We can change that. Say, I want to change that. Now, here's the thing. We have gotten into such a rut of living life, being spoiled, being entitled, and I'm not being hard, but let's just be real. We have gotten that way as people, don't we? We want it now. We want it when we want it. Things are so convenient. We've got a culture within churches where you come to church and you see a cafe and you see the the stage and you see the lights and they get up on the platform and, and they play and they lead us in worship. And all of a sudden this shift starts to take place in our thinking that, oh, church is about me. And they do it for me. Let me just help you. Church is not about you. We don't do it for you. We do it to serve you, but it's not about you. Well, I don't like that song. 
it's not for you. The song is for Him. Our worship is for Him. Our church is for Him. The cafe is for Him. Why? It's to give you a cup of coffee, but it's to help you build relationship with Him, with His body, with His family. Come on, are you here this morning? We've got to change our thinking that everything that we do in this church isn't for us. It's not because we're entitled. It's not because, well, praise the Lord, i got a nice cushy seat. And sometimes you get bent out of shape because the place that you've always sat, somebody sat there this week and you're like, you're in my seat. It's not your seat. It's his. Come on, you know what I mean. It's about him. And if we'll purpose to turn our attention on Him, things begin to shift as a result of putting our priorities in the right place. The prosperity of this city, the economy that once was here, it was never for us. It was for Him. And whenever there's drought, most people, If you're a farmer and it's a drought, you start to pray for rain. As a church, what do we do when there's drought in the land? Pray for rain. If you have your Bibles or if you just turn your attention to the screen, in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 13, you doing okay? Starting in verse 13, it says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ. We can sit here and look in church and say, wasn't church great then? Wasn't church awesome when we used to do this? Listen, we're not looking back, we're looking ahead. And there is a goal and there's a prize of what church can look like and what God desires it to look like. And I can tell you, it's not even on your radar because it's far bigger, far better than you can even begin to imagine. We can look back and say, wasn't Flint great at one time? Woohoo! But it's no longer here. Listen, we don't look back as to what was, and we don't even get stuck in a rut looking at what is. There is a prize and a goal of what's down the road, what God said can be, if we'll purpose to humble ourselves and be people that say, God, use me to make it great for your name's sake. He'll say there is a prize and a call, and there is something significant just waiting for you. Don't look back. Keep looking forward to the prize that's ahead. Listen to this quote. Thomas Merton said this, Your life is shaped by the end you live for. You are made in the image of what you desire. Oh man, I think that's so good. He says, Your life is shaped by the end you live for. What are you living for? Are you living just to retire? Well, if you live just to retire, you might just retire and then die. Statistically speaking, I think it's like 15 months after you retire, you die. Well, if you have no goal, no purpose to have an end to live for, then you'll retire. Man, I don't want to retire. I just simply want to refire. It might look different. I might have a different purpose, a different call, whatever it might be. But I want to always be doing something, looking for what's ahead. What you live for will be the thing that you strive to run your race to the end. And see it come to pass. What do I see? What do I see about this community? 
what do I see about this church? Because I realize if you look from the natural standpoint, you can always find yourself in a position to get discouraged. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, what if. I'd like it to be different. But God says we're moved by what He says and what He's put in our heart into the end in which we live for. I see a community coming back to God. I see an economy booming. They turned Detroit around. I don't know if you know anything about Detroit or what's going on right now, but Detroit is booming. It was in worse shape than what Flint was, but they turned it around. Can Flint be turned around? Absolutely. If you didn't know this, this shocked me. Michigan is one of the top states that people desire to come and visit. Go figure. Well, skip Flint because it's the armpit of Michigan. No. You've heard that said before. Come on. Flint's turning. Flint's booming. God's moving in this place. Why? Because we're just... We're just dumb enough to believe God can do it. Amen? I see a revival coming to the church where people are hungry for God. Not hungry about things, not being distracted, but just simply want to be where God is. I see a city where it's starting to rain. And whenever it rains, it brings fresh water. God sent you to a church just like this, not by accident but to be a part of something big. We're talking about our church dedication. We're talking about this grand opening. Why? It's something that God is beginning to set into motion for what's ahead and what is to come. Now, let me give you a couple things. What can I do? We're going to wrap this up in about the next 10 minutes. What can I do? What can you do as an individual? Number one, you can pray. Everybody say, I'll pray. What can you pray for? The Bible says, pray for laborers. In Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus said this. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great. Speaking of people that need Jesus, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We've been saying, God, we want to see people in our church. God, we want to see people in our church. Well, listen, we can pray for people all day long. But what we've got to do first is pray for laborers. Because you can have a harvest that's ready. But if there's nobody out there to go get the harvest, it don't matter. So what do we first begin to pray for? We pray for laborers. People that want to do things, or or I should say it this way, people want to do things that can immediately be measured. Don't we? I want to serve here, I want to do that, I want to get invested, involved in here, and I want to see the immediate outcome. I want to get the immediate gratification of what I just did, get the pats on the back and get the notoriety, and you did this, helped here, volunteered here, wherever. We want the immediate gratification. But how many of you know that when we purpose to pray, there may not necessarily be immediate evidence in the natural, but it immediately begins to work on God's behalf the moment we start praying. But the evidence will show up if we'll continue to pray. Secondly, what can I do? Don't look to somebody else to do it. Be the person. 
In Matthew chapter 20, verse 6, it says this, And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle. This is speaking of the, the, the farmer that was needing individuals to go get the harvest. The harvest was ready. He hired those individuals. He went and says, go out into the field and get the harvest, and I'll pay you what you're worth. And then he went through multiple different uh, scenarios, and he says, we got to the 11th hour, and he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said, because no one hired us. If you're saying, who's going to do it? I wish somebody would come. And all the while, we're standing idle saying, hmm, things need to be done. <laughs> How many of you have ever just wished your grass to be cut and it got cut just by wishing and hoping? <laughs> it don't work that way. He said, don't stand idle. There's something for you to do. Pray, get involved, invite somebody to church, serve in your church, make a contribution to see God do something big in this community. Amen? You might say, man, I sure hope my neighbor comes to church. They really need Jesus. They're about the biggest heathen. I hear them screaming and shouting and cussing and whatever. They really need to come to church. How are they going to get there? I don't know. I just hope they come. Did you invite them? No. I just hope they see me leaving in the morning and follow me where I'm going on Sunday morning. It ain't going to work. It's not going to work that way. Get involved. Invite somebody to church. A funny thing happens when we start praying and when we start being invested in what God's wanting to do. You'll get a heart of compassion. It's an automatic thing. When you'll pray, God, send laborers. And the funny thing, when you start praying for laborers, God starts talking to you about what labor you should do. Invite somebody to church. Love your spouse. Get involved in church. Teach your kids. And all of a sudden, as you continue to pray, you'll find, man, I just have such a heart for people. Such a heart for people. When I heard that story, I shared with you that the hospital wanted to do a documentary, funding the documentary of a little boy healed by God. My wife, she was telling me the story. It was all I could do from bawling. And the reason that it so overwhelmed me is because that's the love of God. And He just wants to do that and be that God to everybody. And when you see people, your heart will have compassion because they need Jesus. They need a Savior. They need a healer. They need a God that saved them from a pit of hell. And we're that conduit. Can you say amen? James chapter 5 verse 7, it says this. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmers wait for the precious fruit of the earth. Speaking of people, they're the precious fruit. Waiting patiently for it until they receive the early and the latter rain. Everybody say early and latter rain. 
Why does a farmer need early and latter rain? The early rain gets the crop started. The latter rain brings the fruit. James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain in the land for three years and six months. And then he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain and the earth produced what? It produced fruit. Why? Because the latter rain came. Now let me... This fires me up when I read this. Hosea chapter 6, verses three, uh, 1 through 3. Come and let us return to the Lord. For He has torn and He will heal us. He has stricken and He will bind us up. And after two days He will revive us. And on the third day He will raise us up. That we may live in His sight. Let us know Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come. He will come to us like the rain, the latter and the former rain on the earth. When we pray, when we seek God, God says, when you start praying for harvest, when you start praying for laborers, it gives me permission to come. When you start praying that way, it gives God permission to come to Flint and start moving. And here's the thing. The Bible says that God lives on the inside of you. All of a sudden, God gets bigger on the inside of you, and all of a sudden, you start coming into Flint, walking differently, thinking differently. Why? Because the former and the latter rain came together and God was in it and he's in me. Come on. You are a change agent. You are God's chosen. You might think that you don't have anything to offer, but you are the cream of the crop. You might say, you don't know my lineage. You don't know my pedigree. Listen, I know one thing. If you're a Christian, you are in the family of God. You got the highest pedigree. You got the greatest diplomas, the greatest degrees any person could ever want. And you've got a voice to change somebody's life. Amen? And lastly, in 1983, John Scully quit his post at the Pepsi-Cola Corporation to become the president of the Apple computer or an Apple computer. He took a big risk leaving his prestigious position with a well-established firm to join the ranks of a small and unproved outfit that offered no guarantees. Only the excitement of one man's transforming vision. Scully says he made the risky move after Apple or after Apple's co-founder, Steve Jobs, uh, 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 goaded him with the question, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugar water to children, or do you want a chance to change the world? Anybody know what Apple is? Anybody got an Apple product or have had one? It's changed the world because somebody dared to step out. And do something that seemed to be risky. When we live out our divine destiny, 
when you live your divine destiny, when you live your life in the greater Flint area, being the person that God calls you to be, it's then that Flint will see Jesus because you purpose to be a person and say, God, here am I. Use me. We might be small in stature, but God's called us to do great things. And this is just the beginning. Amen? Let's do it together and run the race. Let's live life together and have fun on the journey. Amen. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, once again, I challenge you. I implore you. Let's partner together and not just be statistics, not just go with the flow, not get caught up with all the rhetoric of what people say about this community, but let's purpose that if we're going to live here, we're going to live here. And if we're going to live here, we're going to live life to the fullest knowing that God made it what He said He would be. And we were a part of making that happen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every individual that's here. I pray that You arrest our heart. You arrest our attention. That, God, we would not be able to sleep. That we would not be able to rest. That we could not get away from the mandate that is upon our lives. Not a pastor, not a church, but a people. God, I thank you that you are empowering us, you are gracing us to do great things, and that, God, we don't look to ourselves or our abilities, but we look to you and your grace and your mercy. And so, God, we just boldly declare, we boldly step out and say, God, this is a turning time, for the tide is turning in our favor. It has begun to turn, and, Lord, we have stepped into a new place, into a new season, and, God, it shall come to pass as you said it would be. And we give you all the thanks and all the praise, and everyone said. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life